Tom Landry, who coached the Dallas Cowboys for 28 seasons, once said, A coach is someone who tells you what you don't want to hear, who has you see what you don't want to see, so you can be who you have always known you could be. And this makes sense, right? I mean, after all, a coach's job is to instruct and train both individuals and the team as a whole. And although none of us exactly like to be told when we are falling short, nonetheless, recognizing where we've fallen short is essential for individuals and teams to improve. A coach, then, is someone who tells you what you don't want to hear, who has you see what you don't want to see. Those words could also be applied to a prophet. You know, often we think of a prophet as one who um, foretold future events, and certainly that is true. A prophet's proclamation was proved credible by being able to foretell events in the future. You knew this prophet was speaking the word of the Lord if um, what he foretold came true. But the proclamation of a prophet is a message delivered either by speaking or writing under the extraordinary influence of God, who desired to make his will known to us. So what does that have to do with Tom Landry's quote? Well, prophets faced intense opposition from their people because the message the Lord had given them was challenging. It was something they didn't want to hear. But the prophet speaks the word of God anyways, because if he doesn't, the people won't become who they are created to be, saints. And we see two examples of a prophet telling people what they don't want to hear in our first reading and our gospel. Our first reading in our gospel, they draw a comparison between the prophet Jeremiah and Jesus. Both proclaim what people didn't want to hear. Tradition remembers Jeremiah as the quintessential suffering prophet. Likewise, Jesus in our gospel faces hostility from his own people. When he speaks the truth, they don't want to hear. Jesus is at the beginning of his public ministry, and he is in his hometown synagogue in Nazareth. And we read that initially everyone spoke highly of him, and were amazed at his gracious words, but things quickly turned on our Lord. Here's what happened. The people in his hometown basically demand a sign, some proof of his divine origins. They want proof that he's more than just the son of Joseph. But Jesus is unwilling to flatter the crowd. Instead, he challenges them. He cites two examples from the Old Testament in which the great Israelite prophets did not minister to the people of Israel, but went to heal and bless Gentiles instead. And the people of Nazareth, they flip out. They are so furious, they drive Jesus out of town. They lead him to the brow of a cliff where they plan to throw him off. They, they plan to murder Jesus, yet our Lord passed through their midst and went away. Now, we might read this and think, wow, that's a, an overreaction if ever I saw one. But what Jesus is saying is this, salvation will be open for the Gentiles, for non-Jewish peoples of the world. And this filled the listeners with fury because it challenged their understanding of Israel's status as God's chosen people. Now, this gospel forces us to ask a question. How do we receive the word of God? How do we react when we are challenged by Christ, by the gospels, by the teaching of his church? 
Do we react like an uncoachable football player who thinks he knows better than the coach? Or do we react like the crowd in the synagogue at Nazareth with righteous indignation? When we are challenged by Christ, we ought to react as Peter did in John chapter 6. If you remember, when Jesus taught on the Eucharist in John 6, many disciples left. And Jesus turned to his 12 apostles and said, Will you also leave? You see, Jesus wasn't going to compromise the truth simply because it wasn't popular. But Peter responds, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter is saying, Lord, I don't get this. I don't know how this all adds up, but I know who you are, and I trust you. And that is how we want to respond as well. Now, our readings don't merely call us to be docile in in receiving the instruction, uh, in receiving the word of the Lord. Rather, we are called by virtue of being baptized, to participate in the prophetic work of Christ. And since no servant is greater than his master, if we are faithful to this prophetic work, which has been entrusted to us, then we, too, will face opposition in this life. What is the prophetic work entrusted to us? Proclaiming the truth, proclaiming Jesus Christ by word and the testimony of our lives. And I'll focus in on one area where our society sorely needs to be converted. And this is an area where we will run the risk of opposition, respect for all human life. In our first reading, we heard, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I dedicated to you. Uh, I dedicated you. The truth is that none of us are here by chance. None of us are an unwanted mistake. We have received our existence directly from him. It is from all eternity. If from all, excuse me, if from all eternity, he had not yearned for our friendship, and envisioned a lasting purpose for each of us, we would not be here. That is the dignity of every human life. That is the truth our world sorely needs to hear. Our readings call us to our prophetic vocation. Our readings call those of us who know the true source of human dignity to stand up and tell the world all that the Lord has told us, to tell the world that all human life is sacred from conception to natural death, to tell women who have been hurt by abortion that our merciful Lord waits for them, to pour out His merciful healing grace, that God loves and forgives all who are sorrowful and seek His mercy, that God wants to comfort and give peace to His hurting children. But it isn't enough to just say all that the Lord has told us. We also need to do it with true love. St. Paul says in our second reading that if we do not have love, we are nothing. And it's easy when we become so convicted of the truth to forget that our words without love will fall flat. If out of conviction for the truth we give into self-righteous indignation and condemnation of others in society, we will become like a resounding gong or a clashing cymbal, a harsh, unpleasant sound that does not speak to the heart. All of us are called to be the prophetic voice to a world that sorely needs to know the truth and love of Jesus Christ. As we continue with Mass, let's pray for the courage to be the prophetic voice our age sorely needs. Let us pray for the grace to lovingly tell our society what it needs to hear, but doesn't want to hear.